Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I want to take a few minutes just to say thank you to everyone who is joining us this morning. Normally, uh, Jeremy Bard, our evangelist, would be with me, but he is dealing with some sickness, and so I'm going to take a shot at this on my own. It's been a little while since I've done this solo, but uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to just open up God's Word and to study together for a few minutes. I'm going to be primarily in the book of Hebrews, if you want to follow along. I had uh, an opportunity at the end of last year to teach through the book of Hebrews, and it was really my first time teaching the book. I certainly studied it quite a bit, uh, but my first time to actually teach it in a Bible class setting. I really enjoyed that opportunity, and I learned a lot about uh, the letter to the Hebrews, and I think gained a deeper understanding than perhaps I previously had. If you've ever done any study in the book of Hebrews, or if you were to just go up and ask someone who had some knowledge of the Bible, hey, what's Hebrews all about? Most people's response to that would be, you know, it's about Jesus, and it's about Jesus being better. And there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of the book is dedicated to the fact that Christ is superior. He is superior to the angels. He's superior to uh, the the big names, if you will, from the Old Testament times. He he trumps all of those. He is superior uh, to those, and that's what a lot of the book is dedicated to. But when you begin to dig into that a little bit, the reason why that particular message is so important becomes apparent. Because you have to remember, this, this letter was written uh, to first century Christians who had come out of Judaism and were now following Christ. But that draw back to Judaism was strong. And you have to remember that these are people whose uh, lineage, their heritage, their ancestors centered around the old law and about worshiping God in the ways that the old law had described. And when Christ came and he brought about the new law, and in doing so he fulfills the old law, he brought about a change in the way that these people were to worship. He changed their lives in a lot of ways. And they're now dealing with that change. We're we're 2,000 years removed from that. And many of us have no ties to Judaism to begin with. So try and put yourself in the situation of these first century Jews who are living during this transitional time period where they are trying uh, to recognize uh, what Christ is to them and what he has done and his relationship to the old law and what the responsibility is of them now as believers in Christ and first century Christians. It's a big transition that these people are going through and one that they were obviously struggling with in a lot of ways because Hebrews is not the only place in the New Testament in which this this challenge is addressed. Paul takes an opportunity in several of his epistles as he writes to the Christians in Galatia and Ephesus and other places to to deal with some of the challenges of uh, of 
the Hebrew people as well as the Gentile people now coming together and worshiping as one family under Christ. And what the, those, there were a lot of problems and challenges that arose as a result of that. But that was one of the calls of the gospel is that all people would be recognized as one family under Christ. And so Hebrews takes an opportunity to write specifically to the Jews uh, who are struggling pulling themselves away from Judaism. And not only pulling themselves away from Judaism, but then the constant battle that's waging within them to go back. And that's one of the primary messages of the book of Hebrews. When you recognize who Christ is, and you recognize what Christ has done for you, why would you ever want to go back? Why would you ever want to leave that for something else? But when it comes to family history and heritage and legacy and lineage and those types of things, that draw to go back was strong. And so the writer of Hebrews takes an opportunity to address that and to lay out some very compelling reasons as to why you would never want to go back once you recognize what Christ has done for you and who he is. And so that's the primary message as you go throughout uh, the book of Hebrews. If you keep that in mind, reading the book of Hebrews and understanding what it is meant to teach us will be, will become a whole lot easier. And one of the other things that I think is a bit of a challenge sometimes, and this isn't just exclusive to a study of the book of Hebrews, is that sometimes we run into a challenge of really recognizing who the primary audience was intended to be. I think a lot of times we can fall into the trap of, of trying to read Scripture as if we, being 2019 uh, people, we were the original audience that it was intended for, and that just simply isn't the case. Uh, when I'm teaching a Bible class and we, we're studying through a book like Hebrews, or really any book in the Bible for that matter, I think it's important to point out and important to remember as we study it that not one single word in the Bible was written to me. Not one single word was written to me. But every single word was written for me. And there's an important distinction to be made there as we study through the Bible. And it becomes very apparent as you read through the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews, as he was guided by the Holy Spirit, was not writing to me, but everything that was recorded was written for my learning and for my understanding. In this particular case, a better understanding of Christ and a better understanding of what he accomplished by coming to this earth and a better understanding of what he can do for me, not just while on this earth, but in the life to come. And so those things are extremely important for us to keep in mind. And as we read through and study through the book of Hebrews, what's going to become apparent to us is that the, the life that we live while here on earth can become very cluttered. And it can even be confusing at times. And you can be pulled in a lot of different directions. You can be pulled by family. You can be pulled by jobs. You, you can be pulled by a lot of different things. But maintaining a focus on Christ and maintaining an understanding of who He is and what He did for you can help us push through all of that clutter and keep us focused on what's truly important in this life. One of my favorite passages 
uh, in the book of Hebrews. I have a lot of favorite passages, so don't be surprised if I say something like that again. But one of my favorite passages in the book of Hebrews is fairly early on in the book, in, in Hebrews chapter Two. He's not too far into the book as he's still kind of introducing his theme of, of Jesus being better and, and Jesus being superior. But he comes down towards the end of chapter 2 and he makes a really important point beginning in verse number 16. For indeed he does not give aid to angels. That's Christ. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. The part about that passage that I love so much is at the end of verse 16, where he's talking about the aid that Christ gives. He doesn't give aid to angels. That's not the point of Christ coming to earth. His point is that he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. When you go over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, Paul there in, in writing to the Christians in Galatia, I think sheds a little bit more light on what is really being said there. In, in Galatians chapter 3, In verse 29, he says, If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I think when we, when we read that and then we go back to Hebrews chapter 2 and we see that Christ gives aid to the seed of Abraham, what he's really saying there is he gives aid to those who are Christ's. He's making the point to these Jews here early in the first century that the bloodline has nothing to do with it anymore. That's not what's important. If you want to be a seed of Abraham, first you have to be Christ's. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. We can all be of Abraham's seed in that regard. We can all be of his lineage in that regard. We can all be partakers of the promises in that regard if we are Christ's first. So when we think about our lives, when we think about our relationship to Jesus and and our hopes and our dreams and those types of things, we first need to recognize, are we first and foremost Christ's? Are we his children Are we part of His family? Because those are the people that Christ is going to give aid to. Those are the people that He came to help. Those are the people that He came to be a propitiation for our sins on behalf of. And as a result of that and because of that deep love that He has for us there in verse number 18 that we just read just a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 2, He allowed Himself to suffer and to be tempted so that He could understand what we were going through and recognize how to best help us and serve us. This is something that shows up again uh, as you go throughout the book of of Hebrews in in chapter 4. We're also told there that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Another indication here that Christ came to this earth and He suffered and He lived as a man so that He could sympathize with our weakness. He was, he was tempted in the same ways that we are, yet He did so without sin. He did all of this so that He could understand this human condition in which we find ourselves in. He did all of this so that He had a perfect understanding of what it is that we go through so that He could help us. That's what it's all about. That's what this passage is saying here. Because of all of that, because He understands the suffering that we go through and the hardships that we go through and the temptations that we face, because He understands those things, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we serve a Savior who understands how to help us. You know, if you're going through difficult times or if you're struggling with something or trying to make an important decision about something, the best person to seek advice from during those times is someone who's been through those things and have, have come out the other side successful. Those are the people that you want to seek advice from because they can relate to the challenges that you're facing. They can relate to what you're going through and they can help you through those times. That's what Christ is for us as humans. He's been here. He's done it. He's he's faced the same temptations that we have. He is hurt in the same way that we hurt. And He did so perfectly. He is the one, He is the only one capable of of giving us the help and the aid that we need throughout this life. That's the beauty of Christ as our Savior and the beauty of Him coming to this earth as our Savior. Only He, only He understands perfectly what we're going through and can help us during those times. As the book continues... The, the comparisons and the parallels to Christ with some of the, the old law and the figureheads of the old law continue. We get to chapter 10, and again, this is a really important uh, chapter when you're reading through the book of Hebrews. I've been told and heard uh, chapter 10 described as a pivot point in the book of Hebrews, and I really like that as I was reading through it and studying through it on my own. Because when you get down to verse number 19 of chapter 10 especially, I think what we see there is it starts by saying, therefore. And so there's somewhat of a conclusion that's being drawn. Based on what you have read previously, therefore, it says, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I love this passage of Scripture, and I really do think, in a lot of ways, it can be accurately described as a hinge passage or a pivot point in the book of Hebrews. Because in a lot of ways, what it is suggesting is, based on what you have read previously, 
based on the case that has been laid out for who Christ is and what he has done and what he came to earth to accomplish. Now, what are you going to do with that? That's what the end of chapter 10 is confronting you with. Based on what the author has said about who Christ is, now what? Now what? What are you going to do with this? That's the question. That's, that's the, the situation that we, we are all placed in, the fork in the road, so to speak, when we read through uh, this, this book. We, we read about the, the case for Christ, if you will. I know there was a movie that came out not too, well, it's been a, a little while ago now, I guess, The Case for Christ, or somebody set out to prove uh, Christ. Uh, but now that the, the case has been laid out, so to speak, through these first nine chapters of Hebrews, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that understanding of who Christ is? And the desired answer, I think, that the Hebrew writer would have for us is found here towards the end of chapter 10, where he says, Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, and let us consider one another in order to store up love and good works. That's the desired result. That's the desired outcome. When faced with the truth about who Christ is, when faced with the truth about what he's done, and you're put in a situation where you have to make a decision, are you going to reject that? Are you going to go back? Are you going to leave it, push it away, deny it? Or are you going to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith? Are you going to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering? Are you going to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works? That's, that's the decision point. That's, that's the point in which each of us have to make a decision about what we're going to do with the case that has been made for Jesus Christ. And that, in a lot of ways, is the purpose of really not just the book of Hebrews, and in some ways the purpose of the entire Bible and the entire Bible is one continuous story that is leading us to Christ. And if an honest person with a sincere heart reads and studies through Scripture, you're going to come to a point in which you are forced to make a decision. What are you going to do about this? The, the case is compelling. It's hard to argue against it. you got to work pretty hard at it. And as the case is laid out before each of us, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Christ himself would say while he was here on earth, if you love me, keep my commandments. He wants us to be obedient to him. If, if we understand in a true and sincere fashion who he is, what he's done for us, why he came to earth, and what he can do for us now, he wants obedience. He wants us to turn to Him in love and obedience. That's what Christ has always wanted from us. And that's why when you get into chapter 11, which is probably the most well-known chapter in the book of Hebrews, you get this, this passage of these heroes of faith, so to speak. As you read through chapter 11, you see all of these people from the old law, from the Old Testament, where their faith is recounted. Uh, in some ways 
really what, what he's doing here is he's pointing back to these people who recognize this. Even before Christ came, all of these people that are recognized here in Hebrews chapter 11, all of them lived long before Christ came, long before Christ came. But in their lives, in their time, they recognized the plan that God had for man. And they lived their lives demonstrating the faith that they had in their Creator. That's what we're called to do now, living after Christ and being able to see the the fullness of the story unfolded before us. We are called to have that same faith. where We put our lives in the hands of our Creator. And we're obedient to Him through Christ. We recognize what's been done for us, and we submit ourselves to Him as a result of that. When you get into some of these last few chapters of the book of, of Hebrews, some of them are, there's some very familiar passages again, such as the beginning of chapter 12, where it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking, under, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, now on the other side, if you will, of, of chapter 10 and that pivot point where, where we're being forced to make a decision, if you recognize the case for Christ is undeniable and you turn to Him in faith and you put your life in His hands, and the point here is being made at the beginning of chapter 12 that the race before you at that point is a long one. And it's going to be a challenging one. There are going to be bumps along the road. There are going to be challenges that you're going to have to face as a follower of Christ. But the exhortation that the Hebrew writer gives us in chapter 12 is to run that race with endurance and to do so by looking unto Jesus. There's a call here to remain focused A call here uh, during this long and grueling race to persevere. That word persevere, it's the same word that Peter will use in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. The same word persevere, endurance, it's the same idea uh, that's being called out here. We have to push through during hard times. We have to keep going even when it's hard, even when we want to quit, even when we, in the case of these first century Hebrews, when we want to go back, you got to keep going. You've got to persevere. You've got to push through because it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And Jesus came to earth to make it known beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's all worth it. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the only one who can help us during times of great need. He is the only one that can lay the claim of living as a man perfectly. So you know what? When it gets tough, you got to keep going. you got to find a way to push through. Because it's all worth it in the end. That's where these, that's where these Jews found themselves as this letter was being written. 
They were struggling with these ideas. Is it worth it? Remember, the first century was not a kind time to Christians. But it was all worth it. No matter what trials, no matter what persecution that they may go through, it's all worth it. So whoever wrote this letter, the author is remains anonymous throughout the letter, whoever wrote this letter, guided by the Holy Spirit, did so to make sure that people understood who Jesus was, to make sure that the, the case for Christ was laid out in an undeniable fashion. And then he took the opportunity to put us at a point of decision. What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do with this understanding of who your Savior, Jesus Christ, is? The logical conclusion to everything that he has said is that you're going to recognize him as the Son of God, superior to the angels, superior to Moses, superior to the high priest, superior to Abraham and others. He is the king. He is the author and finisher of your faith, as we just read here in chapter 12. And if you're going to submit to him in obedience, there's going to be a great joy and reward that awaits you. But don't let that understanding of the great joy and reward that awaits you blind you to the fact that it's going to be a hard road, that it's going to be a long race. Push through it. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Keep these people in your mind from Hebrews chapter 11 who had done it during tough times. They had kept their faith strong. Look to them as an example and keep going because the reward that awaits us is so much greater than anything that we're going to find this side of heaven. I want to ask you all maybe to just give that some thought over the coming week. Maybe even read through the book of Hebrews. It's not a very long book. There's only 13 chapters. and I've read through it all in one sitting in about 40 minutes. So it doesn't take you very long to read through the book of Hebrews. I would encourage you to perhaps try and read through the book of Hebrews over the next few days perhaps trying to do so as if reading it for the first time and trying to do so maybe from the perspective of those first century Jews and then really sit back and think, okay, what am I supposed to take away from this? What am I supposed to learn from this? How is this going to be building and strengthening my faith? That's what the Lord wants us to do with his word. I would encourage you all to do that. I think what you'll find is that the book of Hebrews can be a powerful tool to a Christian in the 21st century today. It can be a powerful faith-building tool to us in the same way that it was to those first century Christians struggling with their draw to Judaism. It can strengthen our faith and firm up our belief in who Jesus is in the same way that it did those first century Jews. So I would encourage you to take some time and read that uh, if you can. And I hope it has had this, it will have the same effect on you that it's had on me. I want to thank you all for, for taking some time to, to think through and study through the book of Hebrews with me this morning. I know it's probably a little bit different without uh, a second voice in the mix here, uh, but hopefully it's been uh, an, an edifying and encouraging 30 minutes together as we 
and looked into God's Word. We want to take just a quick moment before we stop to to invite you to come and worship with us if you would like to do so. We we meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., and then we meet again on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m., and we also have a midweek Bible study at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evening. So you're more than welcome and encouraged to come to any of those that you might be able to. We'd love to have you, love to meet you if you ever have the opportunity to do that. If you can't, uh, we do live stream our services on Sundays uh, at traderspointchurch.org. You can live stream the services there. And you can also listen to past uh, sermons on the website as well. We have all of our audio files of past sermons archived there, and so you can take advantage of that and listen to any of those that you may have missed. So we'd love for you to to follow along and worship with us and study with us and grow with us uh, in any way that you may be able to do so. So thank you again for uh, taking some time uh, with me this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.